What a wonderful video to introduce this coming month. Just a beautiful opportunity to come together as a faith community, to pray together. One of those weeks, the week just before the sound, is what we call Seek Week. And every morning at 7 a.m. during that week, we meet here at the church for one hour. It's an amazing thing. Every morning. Well, what are you doing at 7 in the morning? Hello? So you can get out of bed and you can come and join us for one hour before you go to work. Amen? It's a wonderful, wonderful moment. And it all begins this coming Tuesday, January 2nd at 6.06 p.m. for one hour where we begin with all church prayer to set it off, to set the tone for the entire month. So we encourage you to mark your calendars, put them in your phones, put them wherever you need to put them so you can remind yourself to be a part of this. And let's all gather together as a faith community. And we realize that some of you are new, and we understand that, but this is not your grandpa's January. This is a different January, and it's an amazing month. And it culminates with the sound, our prophetic conference at the end of the month. And it's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at both, at, well, it's going to be Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Coeur d'Alene, and it'll be Sunday over at our Post Falls campus. It's going to be a wonderful time, so we encourage you to prepare for that. Tonight, we're going to set the tone and posture our hearts to prepare for the next couple days as we begin a brand new year in what's called the jewel of peace. Charles Spurgeon said these words. He said, peace is the gem with many different facets. Now, when I think of a gem or I think of a diamond, I think of different facets. There's different angles you can look at, and you'll see different things. There's different perspectives. There's a different gleam that comes from each different dimension of it. I'm kind of thinking of peace that way. When we think of peace, when I say what is the peace of God? There might be different things that come to your mind. Now, it might be in your mind where you say, peace is something that I never really can get a hold of. The peace of God just seems to be something that gets out of my hand. It's like a bar of soap. I can't, I can't get a hold of it. I keep missing it, or I keep not being able to grasp it. That might be the peace of God to you. Peace of God to someone else might, might be, well, it's a, it's a beautiful meadow. And, and it's very quiet, and I'm away from the noise of the world, and, and maybe there's a little babbling brook, and it's just very peaceful and quiet. And to you, that might be the peace of God. To somebody else, the peace of God might be uh, a thunderstorm, and rain is coming, and, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, but in the midst of that storm, you sense that you are safe in the peace of God, in the midst of a storm. That might be the peace of God to you. The peace of God for somebody else might be the passing of a loved one from this earth to eternity. It was interesting. I didn't know that this was going to happen, but it was about five months ago that I was invited to be a part of this weekend to share, and immediately peace was dropped in my heart. On November 11th, my, it was my mother's 90th birthday. She was struggling with Parkinson's and dementia, and she was struggling in a nursing home in Canada. And it was all three of us children on her birthday, she made it to her 90th birthday, that we whispered into her ear. We said, Mom, it's okay for you to go home. We're okay. We're going to be fine. And Mom, you're going to be set free when you get home with Jesus. 
two days later, in the nursing home where she was, my, my sister Ruth was holding her hand, and they were playing hymns in, in the room where she was living, and, and peacefully, it was like my mom was trying to say something to my sister, like she was cognizant of what was happening, but couldn't communicate, but there was something that we knew that was going on in her heart, that she was getting ready to go home, and peacefully, she passed into the presence of the Lord into eternity. Maybe that's the peace of God to you. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul is writing here. And he's trying to set the record straight to a lot of confusion that was going on. And, and you remember Paul was one of the, the worst offenders to the gospel who wanted to annihilate believers, and yet he had a dramatic conversion. You know what? You can be the worst of sinners today, and Jesus can transform you. And you can't say, well, but this and but that, and but I did this, that's okay. Build a bridge and get over it, because Jesus can take care of that for you. Paul was one of those. And look what Paul says in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand is a sign in every epistle that he wrote. It's interesting. I'm not suggesting a life with no conflict, no fighting and disharmony. If you want no conflict, go to a graveyard. You ever notice the signs in a graveyard? R-I-P, rest in peace. There's no conflict, there's, there's no there's no arguments going on there. I actually think a better picture of biblical peace is understood as a garden. A place where there's life, where there's bounty, where there's fruitfulness, where there's life, where there's growth, where things are happening. That's what I think is where God wants to drop his peace into our lives. The dictionary definition of peace is tranquility, calm, and absence of conflict. I kind of have a little disagreement with that. Here's a, a quote. This is, this is worthy. It says, peace is not the absence of conflict, but rather the presence of God in The presence of the peace of God that defines us as believers, that in the midst of conflict, in the midst of chaos, somehow he drops his peace into our lives. It goes beyond our ability to understand. The peace of God enables us to be surrounded by natural conflict, surrounded by people that hurt us. Hmm. You know what we want to do when we get home? We want to call the ambulance. Maybe we need to just ask God for his peace when we get hurt. People that you love get on your nerves. Maybe we need to ask God for his peace. 
Things don't always go our way. Maybe we need to ask him for his peace. You don't get the job that you really wanted. Maybe we need to ask him for his peace. I'd like to contend that his peace is available to us. Good times or bad times. Times of wealth. Times of poverty. Times of health. Times of sickness. His peace can be in the midst of all those places. The original word for peace is shalom. I don't think we use that word enough. Shalom is not defined by the absence of something, but rather the fullness of God's goodness in your life. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Here's the problem, folks. It's the mind. Whose mind is stayed on. That's one of the gates that the enemy uses to control the bod. he, He conjures up things in our mind with vain imaginations. And he says, he will keep you in peace whose mind is stayed on you. The Hebrew word here means to lean on or to rest on God. When you are overwhelmed and tired and you're standing next to someone you trust, you can experience shalom with that person. You've been having a really hard day. Something really went wrong. But yet, maybe you're with someone physically who you really trust. It might be your spouse. It might be a dear friend. It might be someone who's kind of been through the trenches with you. And they just happen to be with you when you're going through that moment. And there's just something about where maybe you can come and put your arm around them or you can put your head on their shoulder and you can shalom with them. Why? Because you have trust in them. And you know that you're safe. And you know that you can experience peace. You can experience shalom. Can I tell you that God is that for you? In the midst of tragedy, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of difficult seasons, you can shalom with God the Father because he is there for you. Oh, we sing that old song, lean on me, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend, whatever the rest of it goes. It's not a Christian song, so I don't know all the words. (laughs) But you can shalom with God the Father and experience his peace. When Jesus would interact with people, he would greet them coming and going. Shalom. May the fullness of God's presence be yours today. Shalom. See you later. May the fullness of God's presence be yours as you go. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we just greeted each other that? Shalom, brother. Shalom, Pete. May the fullness of God's presence be with you as you leave. May the fullness of God's presence be with you, Vaughn, as you go. Monday morning when you go to work, Spencer, shalom. May God's presence, may his peace go with you in Jesus' name. It's just not a cute little thing to say. It actually has the depth of meaning in it as we speak peace into people's lives. You know what? I think in the midst of conflict, you get into that room and you're you're in a heated moment with someone. If you just start by saying, shalom. Somebody, somebody say glory. 
Because, hello, all of a sudden that just changes the tone of the moment, doesn't it? I heard of another way that you can do that. You get into a, a heated moment with someone and you know you can cut it with a knife, right? Get into that moment and first thing you do is take your shoes off. Take your shoes off, put them beside you, and then you look at that person and you say, Shalom. Now let's talk. Well, I was all ticked off. And I was ready to annihilate you. Shalom. That's where you say, shut the front door. Look what Paul said. Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace from God our Father. Colossians chapter 1, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 1 Thessalonians, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 1 Timothy chapter 1, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. That was like an opening statement on every one of his epistles. Wouldn't that be a wonderful opening for all of us as we approach life on a daily basis? Now that we define peace or shalom, how do we get it? Romans chapter 15, verse 13. If this is not underlined in your Bible, this is a good, a good scripture verse to underline, okay? It says these words. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse has so much meat to chew on, it's ridiculous. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us with our hope. The Greek word for hope here is expectation. More hope than your heart can contain. It says here, now may the God of hope, may the God of all expectation fill you with all joy and hope. You see, Israel looked forward to the hope of the Messiah. We, as believers today, are looking forward to the, what's called in Thessalonians as the blessed hope. Do you know what the blessed hope is? The hope of his return. It says that he himself, he's not going to send somebody, he himself shall descend. And he will come with a a mighty trumpet shall sound. And it says that we shall all be caught up with him. That's the blessed hope. As they look forward to his arrival, we look forward to his coming back to return in Jesus. That's the blessed hope. And he says, now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. And how do we abound in hope? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Peace comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that fills us with hope. And there's something about getting filled with the Holy Spirit that just brings that hope alive in you. Do you feel hopeless today? There's something about his hope that through the Holy Spirit will fill you up with all joy and peace. So why is there such an absence of peace? Well, our minds are filled with the current headlines. Things that were supposed to save us all kinds of time end up preoccupying us for hours and hours and hours. My daughter did a very bad thing for me. She taught me about Instagram and about reels. 
honey. All of a sudden, two hours are gone. I'm watching reel after reel after reel after reel. And it's so easy for us to get distracted today. Who's going to be president? Who is the president? What's the latest conspiracy? Are you left or are you right? Is that your feed? Is that where you see a lot of conspiracies? I do. We're distracted. Our minds are distracted. Remember, our minds are an important part of this. Our minds are a very important part in receiving the peace of God, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in the Lord. His mind will be, have, he will have perfect peace. I recently came across an old hymn. No. Come on, baby. Here's the words. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Now here comes the hook. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You want to... You want to sing it? Yeah. <clears throat> I always dreamed to have a Billy Graham choir. What was the choir director's name? Cliff Barrows. Cliff Barrows, remember? Cliff Barrows. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Here it comes. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't that true? That was so beautiful. Oh, there's more. There's more. A famous author once said, some of our old hymns are portable documents of theology. Some things that we ought not to forget. I didn't remember the words in that song, but as I was studying, I just came across it. And that phrase, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. I'm talking about the peace that surpasses or passes all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, if this is not underlined and highlighted in your Bible, you need to highlight it. You need to underline it, bold it, put stars. It's okay to mark in your Bible. So some of you have old, real, real Bibles that you can still do that. Bless God. Hallelujah. It, it says these words, be anxious for nothing. Honey, we could just camp right there. Stop being anxious. Stop being full of it. I mean, you know what I mean? Come on. Come to a place. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Just do that. 
Take those things and bring it to the Lord. Lay it at the cross. Submit it with thanksgiving and praise. This is your supplications to the Lord. He says when we do that, this is what happens. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, oh, and here it is, and your minds, here we are again, your minds and your heart, the two most important parts of your body, your heart and your mind, the entry gate, you know, people say, oh, just follow your heart, just follow your heart, Eh, wrong, that's the worst thing you can do, follow your heart, oh, but pastor, I just have to follow my heart, I just go with it, no, don't go with it, that's why you're in trouble, because you went with it. In fact, do you know what the Bible actually does say about your heart? It says, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Jeremiah says that the heart of man is deceitful above all. And so that's important for the guard. And so when we do these things, we put a guard over our mind and our heart. Decades ago, a fellow preacher was... um, unpacking this verse for me, and that's a stupid illustration, but where, where is it? Can you throw it up there? Um, it's, it's a picture of a highway. It's coming up. I believe it's coming up. There it is. It's a picture of a highway, okay? And on this highway, you've got understanding the, the car confusion, the car pain, the car fear, the car grief and hurt, and peace, the peace of God is behind all these cars, and, and frustrated and frustrated, but yet there's a moment in time where the peace of God takes effect, and it pulls out in the passing lane, and it passes all those cars, and all the, understand, all the things that we can't figure out, that we can't get our minds around, and it says in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God that surpasses all confusion and all pain and all fear and all grief and all hurt and leads us ahead of the pack to a place of the peace of God. Isn't that wonderful that we can come to that place in our life? John chapter 14 verse 27, it says, and this is code red as J.O. would say, this is code red, what does code red mean? I can't get my eyes to do what he does. I love you, J.O. But this is code red, and this is what Jesus says. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give you. Let let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now think about this. This word peace in here means this is something that Jesus is giving to us. The, the, the word is, it's a word that you're probably, some of you youngins might not be familiar with it. So let me explain it. It's the word bequeath. Bequeath. Like when someone dies and they have a last will and testament, and you go in and your lawyer reads the will, and he says, and he bequeaths his Bible to you. Or he bequeaths his house to you. Or he, so it's something that he gives to you, something that was his that he gives to you. I bequeath. So Jesus is saying, my peace, come on, are you, are, are you picking up what I'm laying down? My peace I bequeath to you. My peace can be your peace. The peace I have, I'm going to give to you. Now, my peace is not as the world gives. You see, a totally ridiculous illustration. 
two years ago when the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. I mean, there was, there was peace that we won the cup. Hallelujah. I mean, it was one of those moments where you shut the front door, where you scream and yell, and we finally got peace. Hallelujah. That peace doesn't last. The peace that Jesus gives lasts. From the womb to the tomb, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Jesus is my peace I give to you. I love the peace of God. He goes on in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have shalom. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You know what? I just don't like preachers and evangelists. Just come to Jesus, and all your problems will go away. Eh, wrong. It says right here, in the world you will have tribulation. This is not a graveyard. Be of good cheer. In other words, he's saying take heart, or he's actually saying have Courage. It's the same word that Jesus used in the midst of the storm in the sea when he spoke peace in the midst of the storm. And he says to you, he says, the things I've spoken of about me are true. And the things that I'm going to go away to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you, who will be the one who reveals truth to you. That's how we experience the truth of the gospel through the Holy Spirit, who speaks that hope into and fills our lives with hope. Are you, are you tracking with me on this? This is so good. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I've already defeated the guy. He's a dead duck in the water. He's, it's done. It's over. And all you have to do is abide in me, and this peace is yours. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is your moment. Colossians chapter 3, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Prior to that verse, Paul is describing all things of conflict in our lives. He said when we're trying to bear with each other, when we're trying to forgive each other, when we're complaining against each other, when we're dealing with love and we're dealing with forgiveness, he says, and the peace of God. Let it rule in your heart. He says, above all these things, shalom. Let his peace override Everything. That word rule is a connotation of the word umpire. So picture with me, it's a baseball game. It's not my sport, but I, I understand how baseball works. The guy's on second base. The batter is up. He swings and he hits the ball and it goes right down the first baseline. The first base guy doesn't get it, so it's rolling to the outfield. Well, the second base guy who's on base runs. He takes off for third. He rounds third. He says, I'm going to go for home. By now, the, the guy in the outfield has got the ball and he's throwing the ball to the catcher at the same time. The guy from third is running to home. And so now there's a wonder, what's going to happen? Is he going to get there in time or not? 
and the throw comes in just at the same time as the guy's reaching for home plate with his hand outstretched. And just about the same time the catcher catches the ball, the umper, umpire makes the call. And this is what the umpire does. He goes, safe! And the runner is safe. That's what this word room and that the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God say you are safe. Hallelujah. The year was 1990. We were youth pastors in Northridge, California. Our daughter was not even a year old, and we had the opportunity. Our supervisor came to us. We were, pastor, we were youth pastors in a four-square church. And our supervisor came to us and said, we would like you to consider being the senior pastor of a church in Lake Los Angeles, California, a suburb of Palmdale. We're going to give you three days to go and make a decision on it. So we drove up there and looked at the church. We looked at the town, blah, 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 blah. And we were trying to, trying to get the peace of God in the midst of all this. We were listening to different people. My dad saying, well, son, son, you need to take that church. Don't be an idiot. Take the church. This is a great opportunity, son. In fact, if you don't take the church, I'll come down and take the church myself. I mean, that was going on. There was all kinds of different voices speaking as to what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And now this is a great, this is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. But you know, I didn't have the peace of God. Have you ever had those moments in your life where you just didn't have his peace? So you know what I did? I took my B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L. I took my Bible. I took it into the sanctuary. I put some worship music on. Of course, the anointed worship music of Bill Gaither. <laughs> and it was just me, my Bible, and worship music. And I paced and prayed and back and forth, up and down. And in the midst of all that, there was a word that came to me from the word. Here's the word. It was Proverbs chapter 23, verse... I'm not afraid to, to write in my Bible. I've highlighted, I've written in the scriptures. And it says this. For surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Are you kidding me? That was rhema. The logos became rhema to my heart because I was afraid I'll never get another opportunity. This is the only opportunity I'll ever get. But this word says, for surely there is a future for you. And your hope will not be cut off. End of story. The next day, we met with our supervisor. We gave him our answer. He was not happy. You know what he said? The next church I offer you will be downtown Los Angeles. It will be so small that you'll have to work a secular job full time. You know what I said? Okay. Why? Because I had the peace of God. In the year 1871, there was a great Chicago fire. 300 people were killed and 100,000 people were left homeless. A prominent attorney by the name of Horatio G. Spafford was heavily involved in real estate. He lost a fortune in the fire. At the same time, his four-year-old son passed away from scarlet fever. He was so overwhelmed with all of that that he, he just poured himself into work over and over again. And he linked up with a guy by the name of D.L. Moody. 
and they helped get the homeless back into homes. And so they just did all kinds of heroic efforts to do that. After two years, Horatio decided that it was time for him and his family, his four daughters and his wife, to have a little vacation. And so they were going to embark off of Chicago, and they were going to go over to Europe, over to England, and they were going to, have a, uh, they were going to join D.L. Moody on an evangelistic campaign, and then they were going to have a vacation. Just before their ship was to sail, Horatio had some important emergency business that he needed to take care of in Chicago. So he said to his wife and girls, you go on ahead, and I'll catch up shortly. In the midst of that voyage with his, his wife and his daughters, they happened to collide with a great iron tanker, and within two hours, the ship completely disappeared. All four daughters were completely lost in the midst of that. Only 47 people survived that collision. When his wife, Anna, finally got to the other shore, she sent a telegraph or a telegram back to his wife, his, her husband, and it said, all is lost, save one, come quickly. And he found out that all four of his daughters perished on that ship. On his, on his voyage over to meet with his wife, he was in the middle of the ocean, and the captain came to him and said, this is about exactly where the collision took place and where your daughters lost their lives. It wasn't very long after that he wrote a song that we all know so well, and if you've tracked with me on the story, you know exactly what we're going to do. In fact, I don't think we can do justice to this song if we're sitting down. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, ladies, sing the counterpart. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Now this verse. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul.
That is beyond amazing. You may be seated. About five weeks ago, I asked an artist in our church, her name is Amy Allen, to draw a painting of peace. Isn't that beautiful? Of a lamb with the bright morning star shining down. Amazing. Psalm 23, verse 5. Amy didn't know I was going to share this verse, and I didn't when I asked her. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Summertime for the shepherd was fly season in the high plateau country. These were moments when the sheep were completely irritated by fly season. They would get into their nose, into the membranes of their nose and on their head, and they would cause entire, complete irritations. And it was so difficult for the sheep that they would scratch their heads against bushes or against rocks, or, or they would up and down, they would shake their head. They would do anything they could to get relief from fly season. It would irritate them to no end. But the shepherd had a a remedy for fly season. It was anointment. He anoints my head with oil. And what he would do is he would take this ointment and he would smear, smear. He would smear it over their head and over their nose because the insects would deposit their, their uh, seeds or their, their eggs deep into their nose. And when the shepherd would come along and he would smear them, it would bring immediate relief to the sheep. Gone was the aggravation. Gone was the frenzy. Today, we're going to anoint some heads with oil because the enemy has been buzzing around you. Bitterness, anger, depression, doubt, fear, guilt, jealousy, temper, impure thoughts, unforgiveness, anxiety, and the list goes on and on and on. Your peace has been stolen from you. Friends, conflict is the nature of life. Causes us to lose our focus. Peter was fine as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. It's when he took his eyes off Jesus that he he fell into the water. We're going to anoint you to guard your mind and your heart. I don't think that's probably the prayer I pray over the, the, the prayer I pray the most over people is I pray for the peace of God to guard their mind and their heart through Christ Jesus our Lord. We are going to do that for you. In the beginning, God created this world to be a garden of delights in Eden. It was a place, it was to be a place of shalom, a place of peace, a place where we would flourish. This is what we were created for, people. But something interrupted that peace. Sin interrupted that peace. It brought a breach in relationships. That breach in relationships is still happening today. Horizontal and vertical. And disease was introduced to our world through sin. 
Jesus wants to establish peace with you. Charles Spurgeon said, peace is the juice, the essence and the soul of the gospel. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a scripture that says, he has placed eternity in our hearts. And we try to fill that hole with everything else except the peace of God. We look to all kinds of other vices or things that we think will bring us peace. And you know what they are? They are facades. They look like, but they're not real. Because when you really get to it, you find out that it's fake. I want to tell you that Jesus is the only one that provides the peace that is everlasting. And he provides that, that place that fills that hole.